Hey there. Welcome to Twins Talk Clear-Cut Communication. Yes, we are twins. And yes, we are two old guys who should know better than to try to tackle the topic of communication in a podcast. But we're going to do it anyway, and hopefully you'll find it informative and maybe even enjoyable. Hey, we're coming to you from Goofy Ridge, Illinois. <laughs> and yes, that is a real town, and I couldn't believe it when I read it. Now, Trent, do you know where Goofy Ridge is? Did you ever play them in basketball? I have no clue, but I, I doubt their basketball team is any good. <laughs> I don't know who would want to go on the court or Goofy Ridge. I mean, I just if you know. lose the Goofy Ridge, you got issues, you got problems. <laughs> and I wonder what the mascot is. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, to all of our fans out there in Goofy Ridge, whoever you are and wherever you are, we have a wonderful leader with us today from Illinois. And that's why we picked on you, Goofy Ridge, because we wanted to identify with our Illinois leadership. And we're privileged to have Trent Meacham with us. Trent started an athletic career, well, in high school, but then at the University of Dayton and on to the University of Illinois, where he played basketball and then went on pro in Europe for, what, more than nine years, Trent? Nine years, almost a decade. Played pretty much all over Europe. So when Trent decided to come back to the States, I would really describe you, Trent, as an entrepreneur doing lots of different things. Right now, you're involved with a financial management firm, COZAD Management, and you are a rising leader in that firm. In addition, you are working with the Big Ten Network, just finished your first year. You run your own basketball camps for kids, and you just do a myriad of things. You do a lot of public speaking uh, for different groups like the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and uh, Youth for Christ. And so there's just a lot of different things you do. And so we're delighted to have you here. And maybe you can expand on that. And as we say, talk to us briefly about uh, your history and experience as a leader. And don't be modest. Modesty doesn't work. So feel free to brag as much as you want. But just talk a little bit more about the leadership role you've played. Well, Bob and Ray, it's, it's great to be on, great to join this podcast. And you said entrepreneurial, trying a lot of different things. Well, I said doing a lot of things just because I'm trying things out. I'm learning about myself. Had a long basketball career, and that was an incredible experience to to play basketball, to make a living playing a game that I grew up playing on my driveway, to experience different cultures, to do that with my wife and family was truly special. And now it's kind of like you're, I'm almost reinventing myself as a person, as a leader. Who am I? What speaks to me? What am I good at? Where can I really impact, make an impact in this world? So maybe before we get that far, Trent, we have to back up. Now that you've mentioned your wife, Teresa, also, <laughs> yeah, of course, she also was a world-class basketball player. Now, did you ever go one-on-one in the driveway? And who paid the price for that? Well, you, you can't win. You, you, that's not, that's a lose, lose proposition. If you, if you win the one-on-one game, it's a bigger loss than losing in one-on-one. But my wife, Teresa was a much better player than me. That's for sure. And she just communication, whatever. She is a, a far, far superior I think, human being than I am. So blessed with in my marriage for sure, Bob. I knew that was going to come up. If, <laughs> Teresa and her excellence always trumps whatever I'm doing. You know what? And I'm okay with that. What I'm confident of is that Teresa's going to listen in. So you just got some good points there. So way to go. <laughs> Those are wisdom on your part. You, you teed me up well there, Bob. But in terms of my leadership journey, it really goes back, I'd say, to the basketball court. And I was always this lead by example guy. Coach says, you know, jump, okay, how high? And for me, it wasn't very high, but um, I was going to just try to give my best 
and be that lead by example guy. I thought that's what was leadership. And I think first and foremost, it is. You got to lead yourself well. You got to have discipline. Your teammates, your colleagues, whomever you're around has to see that and learn from that. But in terms of growing as a leader, for me, communicating with my voice, with my words has been something that I've kind of gradually stepped into on the court. That That's essential. At some point, you got to be able to instruct, you got to be able to encourage and lift up, you got to be able to challenge. If I want to use all the gifts that God has given me, if I want my team to be my best, I have to maybe get over myself and be willing to tell somebody something that might not be easy or just get outside of my own comfort zone and not be stuck on myself. But how can I lift up a teammate? So that's that was a constant journey for me on the basketball court. And now I'm learning kind of what does that look like away from the basketball court in, in family, in business, through different means of communication. Just I'm, I'm very much learning what it means to be a great communicator because I think all leaders uh, communicate well. But now, one of the things I know about you, Trent, is that you really like the prep aspect. In fact, the few times that we've talked, you've emphasized how much you enjoy preparing for the game almost as much as the game itself. How do you carry that over into some of your leadership roles now when you think about leading in COZAD or you think about leading by being on that Big Ten network and being on the the studio panel there? In what ways do you see prep playing itself out? That's a a really good question. You know, as an athlete, the game is such a small part of the whole deal. You know, in basketball, you might play 35 games in college. As a pro, maybe I was playing more 50 or 60 games. But when you think about it, that's still a small amount of the time. There's an entire off season and preseason. There's practice leading up to each game. So that's kind of the the mindset of an athlete of before every time I step out there on the court, I'm preparing both in practice, but also mentally I'm preparing. Physically, I'm getting my rest. I'm fueling my body. I'm doing all the rehab and prehab. I'm doing all these things so that when I step on the court, I'm ready to go. And so what does that look like in the business world? Sometimes it's easy. Just There's always stuff to do. There's emails. There's things to respond to. And to actually prepare for what's most important. Okay, what do I need to learn? I'm new in this in this financial world. What do I need to learn? How can I pour into that daily is really important or before a meeting? I want to make sure I know who am I meeting? What, where are there points of connection beforehand that I can maybe uh, speak into or, or develop a stronger connection with? Or in the media world, I think preparation is so important. I got to know names. I cannot butcher name. That, that would be, that's, that's not a good thing if you butcher a name. So knowing names, knowing how teams like to play, for example, what they're, they're doing, what maybe they changed. I don't know that if I haven't done my preparations. And also, a big thing is just repping it out. And sometimes that's in my car, just speaking. How does this sound if I try to make this point? And just giving myself that preparation like I would practicing my shot in basketball. How can I rep this out just out loud and just repeating that over and over? What sounds well? What is clear? What is purposeful? All those things, preparation, I think, is, is so important. And then in, in the moment, I think it's just engagement. And Bob, you're, you're terrific at this. But just being engaged with that person, with that group, whatever setting it might be. You know, Ray, I don't know if you know, I'm going to throw it to you to give you a chance to follow up on this. But one of Trent's favorite lines this year in the when he was doing the Big Ten Network for me was he would say, he shot the leather off the ball. And I don't think I'd heard that one before. And I loved it. One of the things I hear you saying, Trent, that's interesting to me, particularly in translating it to your Big Ten commentary and analysis, I would assume there you get some prep time in terms of names and teams and 
that. But in fact, you have to do a lot of the media translation. I mean, what you're watching has to be translated into commentary. Have you found that particularly difficult or do you feel pretty able uh, at that particular skill? Well, it's it's been a process for me. So in the media world, I never thought of this. I was never a player that loved like interviews, loved the spotlight like that. I wasn't a extremely vocal guy, especially younger in my career, but I've taken steps. I did a lot of radio and you learn how to communicate things better. You might know, I might know something, but it's different to actually communicate it, communicate in a way that people can understand. And sometimes using phrases can kind of bring light, bring fun to it, which is important. Um, Speaking in a way that the average person can really kind of grasp what's going on in a game or not just what happened, but why it happened is really the role of especially a color commentator or an analyst. And so that's been a process for me, doing that a lot on radio, kind of trial and error, fumbling through some things. And I I spent a couple of years doing that more on a local scene. And then I felt ready and had the opportunity to do it nationally with the Big Ten Network. When, When you're calling a game, things happen fast. And that's what's fun for me. You're reacting to the moment. It's not as scripted. But even in the studio, things will happen that you weren't prepared for, that you weren't ready for, that host might throw you a question that you weren't expecting, or you might have 10 seconds to make a point. You might have two minutes to make a point. And those require some uh, different ways of thinking on your feet and responding. And when you don't say things just how you wanted to, and that happens, just going with it and making the most of it. Trent, we really want to explore with you two aspects of your developing career and your establishment as a leader, uh, both uh, locally and nationally. One is your leadership in terms of doing workshops as a speaker and within COZED management. And the other is your celebrity status. And we got to call you that. You may be the only celebrity besides Ray and I that have been on the show. (laughs) And the Big Ten Network was a big deal. And so when you first got on it, we'd love to explore that a bit more. And Ray's kind of addressed the issue of spontaneity. One of the things I wanted to go back to when I was focusing on your notion of your love of preparation, any thoughts about the ratio you typically find yourself in in prep versus actually performance? That's so hard to give you a specific number. It's always just like in basketball, that preseason, those practices leading up to a game, you might practice for 10 hours before a two-hour game. Mm -hmm. And it's probably similar. I don't know if it's five to one. And sometimes I might be in the studio and all we have is a couple halftime shows. I might be in there for five or six hours Mm -hmm. watching two or three games. And then I have maybe two minutes to actually talk where I'm talking. And so to synthesize all this information I've seen watching these games, What's the one thing I want to say about this game? What are the two points that I want to make? Uh, that that can be difficult. Ray had a question that he wanted us to ask, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and ask it and let you follow up on it, Bear. You know, you communicate in a variety of settings, uh, Trent, do presentations to large groups, television commentary, training camps, a newsletter, facilitating meetings. What communication messages and medium you find most important and meaningful? And you've addressed it, and I think it was your last statement that really triggered this question for me. Ray, did you want to phrase that uh, some way else? That sounds great. I'd love to hear. These are all opportunities for me to grow. I mentioned before, I never really thought of myself as a good communicator, but I've started a newsletter over three years ago, and that was a new way for me to communicate via short journal. Uh, how can I draw out these these life lessons from my athletic? That was, that's been a process for me, whether it's speaking on a stage at a banquet to a group of kids, to, to a team, uh, that's new. Is there one area that's the most important? I truly think it's, it's probably in one-on-one personal interactions, small groups, that's where I think we have the most opportunity to truly impact. 
love mm-hmm. there's a quote it says the light that shines farthest shines brightest at home and i think it speaks to leadership i, I think of the skills bob you're you're terrific at this both of you are in in asking questions asking great questions and facilitating the conversation you know i i think those are the truly the best so sometimes we think about the big stage. And those are great opportunities to encourage, to motivate all those things, to educate. But I really think it's those smaller interactions that can uh, have the greatest potential to change lives. You're touching on something I think uh, both Bob and I would be interested in your view of. So often when we talk with people who are in position to be leaders, uh, often their communication is output. They're trying to send out a message. They're trying to, through various venues, make contact with people and make sure their message is getting heard. Often that can harden them, if you will, to the more sensitive part of communication, which is listening, which is input, taking things in. Have you found that in this process you're going through with so much output that just now you stated that one-on-ones are very important to you and they allow you that input phase or stage? Are your listening skills developing as successfully as your speaking skills? I don't know. You have to ask my wife on that one. (laughs) I would, <laughs> I would hope so. But it's it's a great point. I mean, one of the most important things, especially say if I'm on air, is we have a host that's kind of the facilitator. And if he asks me a question, I need to be listening to him because I could be thinking I want to make a point, but if I'm not listening to the question and I don't answer that question, it really doesn't look. If I have a point that I want to make, I need to at least address, acknowledge in some ways the question that he or she asked, and it just can kind of make you look foolish, kind of make the whole thing look foolish. And that's on live TV. But it's the same thing, you know, within other relationships. I think to be willing to listen first is is so important. And yeah, you got to ask my wife on that one. But hopefully, I'm growing in that area as well. You mentioned asking questions, that that has become a more habit-forming approach you use strategy, that when you're talking with someone, your inclination is to ask a few questions to keep that communication fluid. And, And I would think, right out of the chute, that's a good sign that your listening skills are keeping up with your presentation skills. You know, Ray, I, I was thinking as Trent's been talking and he's he's circled on it several times, he clearly is committed to a view of communication as a social construction of reality. Things are not fixed. How you communicate and what you say can create reality. You mentioned it, Trent, at the dinner table at home and how you can create a certain reality for the kids and for the family. And even when you're on the network, in a way, what you're saying and how you say it creates a certain reality. And I hadn't thought about it as much in terms of performance on like a Big Ten basketball network. But in a way, what you've done with your team is you have created a reality of what's been happening in those games. And hopefully they're consistent with the games themselves. And most frequently they are. But the notion is that your view of communication as leaders, one, it's important because I'm actually creating something. I have the power here to create something new. Am I consistent with what you're thinking and saying? Oh, I I love that. We are creating a reality. What we tell ourselves internally creates a different reality for us. What we tell to our families, our teams, our places of work and worship, whatever it might be, I think we are creating a reality. And I think one other thing I was just thinking about and preparing for this is the need for just constant communication. You know, on the basketball court, you see good teams, typically teams that play beyond their, their talent level, they're constantly huddling up. You see they'll huddle up, you know, before free throws, at a call, they'll, they'll come together and they'll put their arms around each other. And, and it might, that might be all the communication you need. Hey, we're touching, we're giving a high five, we're together. But sometimes it's one point of purpose of, of your, you say, hey, we got to do this better. 
And it doesn't need to be long. It might be one word of reminding them something. But I think just being constant is so important. So they're not doing that just for the TV cameras. (laughs) I thought it was like Bull Durham, where they got to the pictures mount and they were just talking about wedding gifts and things like that. (laughs) Well, you know what? Sometimes cracking a joke in those tense moments, that can be the best thing. Communicate, I think, leadership, it's it's kind of understanding, the reading the room socially, knowing what to say, when to say it, how to say it. And sometimes a joke in a moment like that can be just what you need. But it's most important, too, is when there's adversity. And I think you can see teams, it's, it's really clear to see when there's frustration, when there's bad calls. Some teams kind of splinter, they all go apart, and other teams come together. And I think that's just incredibly important. And I'm hearing you say that when they come together, that communication tool, that just getting together, making contact at multiple points, uh, your notion of huddling up frequently is a kind of indicator that this team is attempting to really communicate consistently with each other just by making contact. Now, I hate to do this, guys, but we are at time again. And so, Trent, we want to ask you our final question, which we ask every executive. Who are some of your communication heroes? And please don't feel the need to say the twins. Even though that's probably true, we've, we've discovered that most of our guests see us as heroes, but don't have to talk about us, but maybe talk about some of your communication heroes. Well, you know, Ray, I, I don't know you quite as well as Bob. Bob's definitely a communication hero. Uh, your ability to, to challenge in a way that, that makes me want to, to change, want to improve, think differently is a second to none. So you're a hero for sure. You know, one person would be Tony Park. That was when I think of a communication hero, when I think of his leadership style. So Tony Parker, for those non-basketball fans, Hall of Fame basketball player, the best to ever come from France, maybe Europe, multiple championships with the San Antonio Spurs, coached by Greg Popovich, who's been one of the best coaches of any sports in the history of, of sports, really. And I played for a team that he owned in France. And he was very involved in the recruiting process and just team management. And what he did so well is when you think about asking questions and just communicating one-on-one, he never gave our team a speech. And it was a phone call, hey, asking how your family's doing. I don't know if he did that to everyone. I don't know if he just knew family was important to me, but it was rarely about sports. It was rarely about play on the court. He was asking about how's my comfort level? How's my family? How's my wife doing? All these things he would touch base on one-on-one, but then he was also not afraid to, to use his voice to challenge. And that wasn't the norm. That was the exception. And he was not afraid to do that. And then also when the time came, he was willing to, to, to really light a fire under us. <laughs> and I can remember we were in the finals and we were down zero games to two and we really gotten our butts whooped the first two games. And he came in and it was his first time ever talking to us as a team. I, I was thinking, why hasn't he really done this? He just, it's kind of been one-on-one here and there and encouragement and stuff. And he just lit us up and really got under us. And, you know, we won the next three games. And mm. there's no doubt that his kind of speech and being willing to just, you know, be a little aggressive and, and being very direct and, and challenge us and call us up to, to be better it had an impact on us. So just how he navigated a team and how he and he knew what was important to us, how he would engage with us. I thought it was, it just speak his leadership and his success on the court, off the court. It's, it's apparent. Trent, thanks, fellow. Such a delight. I mean, it's- We're a, just getting started. I know we are. <laughs> it's just, and it's fascinating. 
Ray, you wanted in. Yeah, I want to make one point. I'm picking up, uh, Trent, that I want to applaud. And that is, what I'm picking up is, in, in part, what you're saying is, if you want to be a compelling speaker, you have to listen well. If, if you want your words to impact others, you have to position yourself to have listened well. I mean, that's true with Popovich and others. But listening, as you said, is a critical part of your strategy and being better at speaking. No doubt. You got to know what's important to the other people, why they're there, what motivates them. And you can't do that without listening. The twins are done talking for today. Now it's your turn. We'd love to hear from you with feedback regarding today's theme or a situation you'd like us to step into during a future session. You can reach us at twintalk46 at gmail.com. Remember, no communication problem is so big, so complicated, or so intense that we can't make it larger, more complex, or more dangerous than it already is, almost effortlessly. And we'd like to thank Kevin McLeod for the score that both began and ended this podcast.